listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Hey, today we got just a standalone sermon that I just want to share with you. It's called The Way. Somebody say The Way. The Way. The story is told, and Billy Graham actually told this story, that there was this one time in a small town where he, he asked this young boy where the post office was at. He asked this young kid, he said, where's the post office? And after getting directions, the story goes that Reverend Billy Graham invited the boy to attend his crusade that evening. And he told the boy, he said, if you show up tonight, you can hear me telling everyone how to get to heaven. And without hesitation, the little boy responded and he says, I don't think I'll be there. You don't even know where the post office is at. Hey, today, church, I'm going to focus on a very interesting passage of Scripture, John chapter 14, John 14, and um, this is an instance that we're going to read about where Jesus gave his disciples directions to a location. Now, you're going to recognize this. This is, this is the location of heaven, and, and he, he's telling them, this is where I'm going, and I'm going to tell you how you also can, can go there also. It's, it's a location that they had never been to, obviously. And so we're going to pick it up. John chapter 14. Um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. We're going to refer back to this a few times. So if you want to leave your Bible or digital device open, you can. But John chapter 14, starting with verse 1, Jesus is speaking and he says these words. We know these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Somebody say the way. Come on, church, say it like you mean it today. Say the way. The way. way. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You know, somebody needs to highlight that in your Bible. Someone needs to underline that. During family devotions, you need to break that out. You need to share it. This is something that we need to be driving home. This is a point that we cannot overlook in our Christian faith and our walk with Christ. We've got to come to this understanding that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. There is no other way, church, no other way. And, and in this moment that Jesus is sharing this information, he is preparing his disciples for his impending death. He, he's getting ready to go to the cross. He is getting ready to die. The man that they have put all of their faith in, all of their trust in, their rabbi, their teacher, he is getting ready to die. He is going to freely give his life. He is not going to put up a fight. He is going to give his life. And and it's necessary because we understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so if something doesn't die for sin, then we will have to be held accountable for that sin. Think about that. Think about that in your own life. 
If something does not die for your sins, if some sacrifice is not made on your behalf, then you are going to be held accountable for your sins. No one is exempt from that. But there is a way to overcome that. And that is through Jesus Christ. And, and, and he's telling his disciples that it's, it's, it's important. I've got to do this. I, I have to die for the sins of humanity. And Jesus can sense that this is causing some anxiety and some fear among his closest friends and followers. He can sense the temperature of the room. He knows that they're uneasy with this. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, they were hoping that he was going to set up his earthly kingdom here. They were hoping that he would rule and reign from Jerusalem and that they would have a part in his kingdom, that they were going to have an important role because they were his closest friends. They were his disciples. And so we understand, we get it. If you take a step back from scripture and you just look at it deeply you can understand they're distraught you can get it you 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 can you don't have to think very hard to understand why they 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 had crushed hopes and dreams of what Jesus was going to accomplish but Jesus understood that he didn't come to be served but to give his life as a ransom for many he didn't come to be served but to serve and, and there's something very interesting that today's text reveals to me. It, it reveals the character of our God. Church, learn this, learn this. At, at, at the critical moment, when Jesus needed encouragement from the disciples, he's about to die. At this critical moment when he needs encouragement, he's actually the one comforting them. Have you thought about it? At the moment when, when he needs them to come and prop him up, when he needs them to be by his side, when he needs friends, he's actually the one that is supplying comfort and encouragement to them. Is that not just like our God? Is that not the way that our God operates? That in times of, of chaos and discomfort, he comes alongside of us. When the, when the word of God is constantly being challenged in this world, when, when, when holiness and sanctification are questioned, yes, our way of life, our way of living, when that is constantly being questioned, when Christ is under attack, he takes time to care and comfort you. That's what our God does. That's what he's good at. He recognizes us during our times of trouble, during our times of need, and he comes alongside of us, and he undergirds us, and he strengthens us, and he is there for us to bring us care, to bring us comfort. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. That's what he does best. He comes alongside of us and he brings comfort. During your darkest trials of life, if you think back, you made it because Jesus Christ came alongside of you and he brought comfort. Whenever you needed him the most, he sent the Holy Spirit as your comforter and he came alongside of you to help you get through those, those trials, to help you get through those frustrations, to help you get through all of the troubles of life. And he's never left you. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. You've never been abandoned. He has always been right there whether you recognize it or not. And in this moment of despair, Jesus looks at his disciples 
And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. In other words, I don't want you worrying about this. I'm still God. I'm still sovereign. You may not understand what I'm doing or why I'm doing it right now, but you will. And I don't want you to fret about this. I need you to understand. Let not your hearts be troubled. And then he continues to explain to them that he is going to prepare a place for them. And that if he goes, he will return to come back and take them there also. And then he says these words. Verse 4. And you know the way to where I am going. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. And and Thomas responds with the question like probably everybody else in the room has. Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? How would we possibly know the way? We have never been there. How would we know how to get to this place, this destination that you are speaking of? Verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. Somebody say the way. Oh, I got, you've got to get this today. You've got to get it. He's the way. The world would have you believe that there are many ways to heaven. The world would have you believe that there's many ways to gain eternal life. That what happens after this life, that there are many roads that point to that destination. There's a 2020 poll by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, and they found that that 48% of U.S. adults affirm the statement that a person who is generally good or does enough good things for others will earn a place in heaven. I'm going to read that to you again. 48% of U.S. US adults A person who is generally good or does enough good things for others will earn a place in heaven. In other words, during a month like this where we are serving others outside of the walls of our church, we would be solidifying our place in eternity. That's what that that statement says. that, That someone can do enough good in life That they can secure their place in heaven, in an everlasting life, in an eternal life. And, and this is concerning to me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, scripture I just shared recently with you. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. I've said it many times. I don't want to harp on it today. I just preached about it recently. But you're not saved through your good works. You're saved for your good works. What God has already done in your life comes out of your life. But those good works do not get you to heaven. They do not secure your salvation. That only comes through Jesus Christ and everything that he did. It is through nothing that you have done. And you've got to understand that. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't serve. Uh, go back two weeks ago, I shared a whole message on the importance of why we need to serve. It's, 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 it's biblical. We need to serve. But if you're serving so that you can get to heaven, you're serving for the wrong reason. Because 
That's you boasting on what you have accomplished. And Paul said, this isn't for you to boast because we boast about Christ. We boast about what he has accomplished. And what he accomplished through the cross is my, my, my salvation. He, he, he purchased my eternity for me so that I would not have to. It has nothing to do with me. We can't work our way to heaven. Christ has already paid that price. How can you buy something that has already been purchased? But what's even as concerning, if not more concerning, is that according to a 2021 survey performed by Pew Research, only 21% of all Christians, here it is, 21% of all Christians believe that their faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's believers. That's people who call themselves children of God, Christ followers. 21% of all Christians believe that their faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. 58% of those surveyed said that there are many religions that lead to heaven. These are Christians. Christians. You don't think we've got some doctrine messed up? Uh, it, it's just time that we open our Bibles once again, church. We, we've, we've got to see what the Word says about this. And Jesus was very plain. What did he say? Say it louder. I am the way. I am the way. All roads do not lead to heaven. And society is trying to get us to accept this. Listen, I can be tolerant of your religion, but I don't have to accept it. I can be kind to someone who believes different than I do. And it's okay for you to be wrong. Oh, you're not there yet, right? Church, I'm telling you, this is a damnable theology that is leading our children to hell. And if we don't get a grip on this, we're going to lose our children to other religions. And there is only one way that they get to see eternal life, and that is through Jesus Christ. And you better start teaching this in your home. We cannot ignore this because the world is screaming at our children. They are shouting it loud at our grandchildren. They want them to accept the fact that all roads lead to heaven. The problem is it's not a fact. It's false. And only Jesus Christ is the way. In the early 2000s, I visited Peru to teach at a seminary for a week. And at the end of the week, after teaching for five days, we flew over the Andes Mountains, and, and I visited the largest city in the world that is not accessible by road. The largest city in the world not accessible by road. We got an aerial shot of this one, and it's Iquitos. Iquitos, Peru, population just under a half a million people today. That is the Amazon River there at the bottom. At that point, when I stood on the shore right there, the Amazon River at that point is over a mile wide. I couldn't even see the other side hardly. It's an amazing place. Largest city in the world, not accessible by road. Located in the remote jungles of Peru, hundreds of miles from the nearest connecting road. You cannot drive to this city. The only way that you get to this city is by plane or by boat. And we flew 630 miles over the Andes Mountains from Lima, Peru, and to Iquitos, to a small little airport. And the only way that you get to Iquitos is by boat or plane. That's it. There's no other way. You only get there by boat or by plane. And church, 
The only way that you get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No ifs, ands, or buts. You can try your hardest, but there is no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus. You can try to drive there by your good deeds. You can try to walk there by your works. But the only way to heaven is to fly there on your faith. That is the only way. Your trust in Jesus is the only way to be reconciled back to the Father. That's it. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. And the Gospel of John explains that to us through his own words. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. But there's something interesting that happens in the next book. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. Maybe you know it simply as the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. Empowered by the Holy Spirit as witnesses to the risen Christ, we read of an interesting phrase that's used to describe these early believers of the, of the early church. It is the same Greek word that Jesus used when he described himself as the way. It is the Greek word hodos. Hodos means a path or a road. When Jesus said, I am the way, he said, I am the road. I am the only road. No one gets to the Father unless they travel this road. I am the only way to get there. And now we get to the book of Acts and we see that same exact word used to describe the early disciples. Listen to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. But Saul, still breathing threats, and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 19 verse 9. But when some people began, became stubborn and continued in unbelief, here's what it says. It says they were speaking evil of the way. They were speaking evil of the church, of, of the people who were Christ followers. In Acts chapter 19, there was this silversmith named Demetrius. And, and he had an interesting occupation because he, he made shrines of the Greek god Artemis. Basically, these were little souvenirs to be sold. They were, they were little keepsakes. And, and, and Paul was preaching the gospel and when Paul begins preaching the, the gospel, it does not include, include the Greek gods. And, and many people, they, they stop buying their little whatnots from Demetrius. And Demetrius gets upset about this, and so he calls all of the under, other vendors together. And he says, we've got to do something about this. And in verse 23, it says, about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. Acts 22 and verse 4, Paul said, I persecuted this way. Now, this is Saul who has been converted. Now he goes by the name Paul. He said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. Just, just leave that on the screen just for a moment because I want you to see this. Paul admits, he said, I persecuted the way to the death. Now, do you remember what Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus? In, in Acts chapter 9, verse 4, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Jesus 
had already been crucified, resurrected, and ascended to the Father. But yet he comes looking for Saul. And he finds him on the road to Damascus. He's persecuting Christians. And when the blinding light knocks him off his horse, he hears the voice of Jesus and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I am the way. I hope, I hope this is starting to click with you. Are, are, are you catching what I'm throwing at you? I hope, I hope. I am the way and the truth and the light. I am the way. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. Acts chapter 24, verses 10 through 14. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years. So I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing, but I admit that I follow the way. Somebody say the way. He says, I follow the way which they call a cult. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> I worship the God of our ancestors, and I, be, I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. So he's defending himself there. Uh, he's defending himself, and, and, and he makes sure that he, he is not ashamed of his faith. He, he says, listen, I, I'm, I haven't done what they said I'm doing. I, I'm not stirring up riots. I'm not, I'm not causing any discord. He said, but just to be clear, I must admit to you that I follow the way that they call a cult. Yes, I am part of that, but, but I'm not doing what they say that I'm doing. Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 26. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So in other words, he's got a knowledge of Jesus, but he hasn't had a change of heart yet. He knows, many people know, but they haven't committed to the cause of Christ yet. Verse 26 says, says that he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. In other words, they pulled him aside and said, Brother, this is more than just head knowledge. This is heart knowledge. You're going to have to come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. And you're going to have to understand him crucified and resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the Father. You're going to have to come to grips with this if you are going to be effective for the kingdom of God. Friends, I hope you're starting to see it. We are not just another religion. I said we are not just another religion. They may make you fill out some forms from time to time and you have, may have to put on that paper what religion you are, but we're not a religion and we're not a cult. We're not a cult. We're not wandering through life aimlessly. I promise you, we belong to the way the only way. We are the body of Christ and through us people find Jesus. They find the way. Amen. I come to understanding numerous years ago that the knowledge of Christ is not intuitive. 
In other words, you just don't come to the knowledge of Christ on your own. You just don't wake up one day and, and, and realize Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he died for me, he died for my sins, and he is resurrected. You just don't come to that knowledge. Someone has to tell you. A child just doesn't know that George Washington was the first president of the United States. They go to school and they, they learn this information. A student doesn't just learn algebra on their own. How many of you would agree it's not intuitive, right? It just doesn't happen. Someone has to teach this information to them. And no one just learns the love of Christ on their own. God uses the body of Christ to lead them into this knowledge because now we belong to the way. We belong to Jesus. We are the body of Christ. We are now the way. And I'm not saying that they find Jesus, that they find eternity. Or I'm not saying that they find everlasting life and eternity through us. What I am saying is they find it through the body of Christ when we are the hands and feet of Jesus extended. It's one of the reasons why I love Serve Month is because in very practical ways, we get to be the hands and feet of Christ. And though there is only one way to God, You've got to understand that there are many ways to Jesus. One way to God, but there's many ways to Jesus. Because people come to Jesus in all sorts of ways. You can find Jesus through a mentor that shows you the way, you can find Jesus through a coach who exemplifies the way. You can find Jesus through a teacher who is not ashamed to pray with their students and shows them the way. You can find Jesus through a teammate. You can find Jesus through a teacher. Uh, uh, you can find Jesus through a coworker. You can find Jesus through a praying grandmother. You can find Jesus through a church that's serving. You can find Jesus by someone paying too much for a Christmas tree and someone loving you enough to give that money away. You can find Jesus through a free oil change for widows and single moms. And you can find Jesus through a message or a sermon that appealed to your heart. And you can find Jesus a 16 year old kid playing the drums in church and 92 year old and 92 year old Morris Wiggins gets up and walks to the drums and says young man aren't you tired of running from God Yes, sir. And why don't you come down to this altar and pray with me? You see, the knowledge of Christ, it crosses the boundaries of demographics. It crosses the boundaries of geography. 
the knowledge of Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. It has no boundaries. But it must be shared. It's an unstoppable force. Before they were called the way, before his crucifixion, Jesus had a conversation with the disciples at Caesarea Philippi. And he says, who, who are people saying that I am? And they start talking about that a little bit. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. And he said, no one's told this to you. He said, heaven has revealed this to you. Think about this. He was walking hand in hand, side by side, with the Son of God. And he saw things that were miraculous that caused him to believe. Now listen to this. What has happened in your life, in your heart, in, in, in the change of, uh, that, that has taken place of your eternity, it's time to let that be seen by others because we do the way in injustice if we don't share it and in that same conversation Jesus looks at Peter and he says you're a rock and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it Understand this, the way is an unstoppable force. Nothing can get in our way and stop us, but we've just got to move forward. We've got to move forward. We can't stop talking about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. That has to become part of our regular vocabulary because the alternative is part of their regular vocabulary and I refuse to let our children and our grandchildren be reprogrammed. I'm not letting it happen, church. They're going to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ not by accident. It's going to happen because we're very intentional about it. And it's time that we, as the way, that's who we are, we're the way. That we look at people and we say, listen, our Jesus, he described himself as the road to heaven. And then scripture in the book of Acts describes us as the road to heaven. We're the way. And if you're determined to go to hell, you're going to have to go around us to get there. I've said this since the very first service of Destiny Community Church, and I'll continue to preach it. Destiny Community Church is a roadblock on the way to hell. And we refuse to let people get there without a fight. And that includes our sons and our daughters. Father, thank you. 
for providing a way, the way. The assignment, Lord, is plain. We are the way that they will find the way. And though there's only one way to you, Father, we know there's many ways to Christ. Continue to use us and let us be your hands and your feet extended. Use us, Lord, to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. To preach his life, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his life living in the body of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.